This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's time to empty out, at least verbally, the Wolves' free agent notebook, review what took place, look ahead to what they're still trying to do. They still need to fill a few roster spots. So this will be a Wolves-centric podcast, but we will also have on Brad Hand's high school coach from Chaska, 08 Chaska High School. Brad Hand, a first-time All-Star this year, a nice journey 08 Chaska High School all the way to 2017 National League All-Star for the San Diego Padres. So we'll catch up with Troy Stein plus Jalen Suggs, 2020 Mini Haha Academy point guard quarterback has Division One, well, at least one Division One football offer, many, many Division One basketball offers. So we will go that route. Certainly Jalen on a path to one day play in the NBA. Plus Taj Gibson. I talked to Taj Gibson one-on-one after his Monday news conference and a friend of the podcast, Jamal Crawford, three-time sixth man of the year. He chose the Wolves over at least interest, strong interest. He can tell us if he had offers from the Wizards and Cavs, but certainly a number of teams reached out to his camp, but he ultimately chose the Wolves He will sign his contract at some point later in the week, but he has agreed to join the podcast. As far as I can tell, the first interview from Jamal Crawford about joining the Wolves. So let's just get right to it. In fact, we will get to Jamal in a matter of seconds, but let me give some love to the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. This podcast, an interview with Jamal Crawford, does not take place without Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com online. They are located in downtown St. Paul, right off of West 7th Street. On Twitter, at Vine underscore Park underscore Brew. Again, at Vine underscore Park underscore Brew. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer. And here is the kicker. Make your own wine on Vine Park's equipment with Vine Park's help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. You brew your own beer or wine. You take it home in 22-ounce bottles. It's perfect for gifts. It's perfect for sharing. They have custom labels. They have all sorts of beer recipes. You know, we're talking about, you know, whatever flavor you enjoy. You know, whether it's an IPA, a brown ale, a porter, a stout, a lager, a pilsner, a bock, a wheat. They will take care of your taste buds. Whatever you like, they will help you brew that beer. Again, vinepark.com online. The phone number, 651-228-1355. 651-228-1355. Because of some scheduled difficulties, the podcast at Vine Park did not take place on Monday, July 10th. The plan right now is July 21st over the lunch hour. Friday, July 21st over the lunch hour. But we will do a scoop podcast some sort of Scoop Podcast from Vine Park. They are very generous with their commitment to the Scoop Podcast. It's the least we can do. So, again, we thank Vine Park a ton. All right, here he is, first-round pick in the 2000 draft, 37 years old, still going strong. There's not many guys in the league. I mean, top of head, who, Dirk Nowitzki, Vince Carter, anybody else in the NBA have, have more years, more service time. 
than Jamal Crawford, but just a couple years ago, sixth man of the year. He knows his role. He should be instant offense off the bench. He should help the Wolves, you would think, with the roster moves they've made this offseason, get back to the playoffs for the first time since the 03-04 season. Here is Jamal Crawford. Jamal, let's just start with the craziness of this business. I mean, we were talking on this podcast a year ago about you signing this three-year deal with the Clippers, thinking, who knows, maybe you're there three years, maybe that's your career, or maybe you end up spending another five or six years with the Clippers. But then one year later, I mean, one year into a three-year deal, they make the move, you hit the market. I mean, did you ever in a million years see this scenario playing out? No, I never saw the scenario. It wasn't even my thought process. You know, you you think about... Uh, just building and continuing to try to grow what you've already done, you know. And obviously, um, at that time, we had lost Chris a couple days before. I was down there uh, a little bit, you know, after that, maybe two days before I got traded, trying to help recruit Blake to come back. So I didn't see this coming at all. But, you know, I think it would be a blessing in disguise. I mean, how quickly did things happen? I mean, okay, so you're recruiting Blake Griffin. I mean, you have to be thinking, talking to Doc, talking to Lawrence Frank, other people, you know, maybe even the owner, Balmer. I mean, you're talking to all these people thinking, okay, I'm here. Then snap of the fingers, Jamal, you're you're an Atlanta Hawk, and then you're bought out, and now you're a Minnesota Timberwolf. Yeah, the, the business of the NBA. You know, like, it's, it's crazy how fast things can go. Uh, obviously, uh, like you said, I didn't see it coming. Um, and then from there, you know, things move really, really fast. And uh, the Timberwolves, they were a team I just saw on the rise. You know, obviously, you look at Coach Tibbs, who I've always been fond of. You look at the young pieces, the young foundation with, with Wiggs and Cat, and then seeing Jimmy Butler come, seeing Taj Gibson come, seeing Jeff Teague come, you're like, oh, they're serious. You know, they're trying to win right now and, and, and kind of grow this group together. So I saw it not only for this year, but, you know, the foreseeable future being a part of that. And I just, it made sense on so many levels. I mean, how many offers did you have total? And ultimately, it was just a very easy decision to be a Minnesota Timberwolf? Yeah, for me it was. It was pretty easy. Actually, I had, you know, some really, really good conversations with from some really good teams. You know, teams that have been in the finals, teams that have won championships. And, uh, you know, I just – I thought that would be great. But, you know, those teams are already kind of there. I wanted to kind of help a team uh, aspire to, to reach and kind of, you know, embrace the journey and really, really, you know, go through trials and tribulations, the ups and downs. I thought it would be more meaningful. It was just the perfect, perfect place all the way around. And I suppose when you look at the depth chart here, I mean, behind Wiggins, behind Butler, you know, before they added you, Jamal, there was nothing. So, yeah, you like the future, but you also want to play. You still feel like you can play at a high level. You will get minutes here. You should get a lot of minutes here. Oh, no doubt about it. I still feel like I can compete like this for another four to five years. So, yeah, it wasn't just a, a mentorship type role. It was, we need you to produce and produce at a high level. And, you know, I'm up for the challenge if you look at it. Even uh, not this year, but the last year I won six man of the year. So I'm still at a really, really high level. You know, I think this, this will be a high-level team, so it just made sense. What changed in your game? You're right, two years ago, sixth man of the year. Excellent year. The numbers did dip this past year. Why did the numbers dip? Well, honestly, it wasn't me. It was more so, you know, Austin Rivers is growing. Uh, Raymond Felton uh, came, more space. We had more pieces off the bench, and, to be a, a player, I'm part of a team, you know, and Doc saw that we should do it more as a tech, attack more as a group than just feature one guy. And I'm a team player, so I was all for it, you know, but I think I'll be one of the feature guys uh, off the bench on this team, and I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it and excited because I kind of toned myself down 
And even the year I won six man, I kind of toned myself down because we were kind of doing it as a group. If you remember to start the season, we had Lance Stevenson and Josh Smith and Paul Pierce and myself and Austin Rivers. So I kind of had to take a step back. And then when that didn't work, the mix didn't work, Doc was like, I need to be more aggressive. And that's why I made a push and ended up winning six man. But this year, you know, we had kind of a similar situation. But, you know, I'm ready to go full throttle moving forward. What was the recruitment process like? I mean, is it true like LeBron James is blowing up your phone, John Wall is blowing up your phone, Towns, Tibbs, Butler, all well, these guys? Well, I got friends in the league. You know, I've been in the league a while. You know, and I yes. know a lot of people, and a lot of people know me. I've known people, uh, you know, for a long, long time. I knew LeBron before he was even in the NBA. So that's like family. You know, I knew John, uh, same type situation. He was wearing 11 in high school because so I've known these people for a long, long time. And this friendship. Obviously, I talked to Tibbs once I became clear. I talked to Cat. Talked to Wiz. I talked to Jimmy. I talked to Taj. I talked to Teague. I talked to everybody. You know, I talked to Noah Crum. And it's just, it's just a great, great situation. You know, and hopefully, you know, uh, our fans will be really excited about what we have coming forward. How aware are you of the history of the Wolves franchise that it's been? I mean, it's hard to years. fathom. I mean, it's been so long yeah. since this franchise has been to the playoffs. How aware are you of that? Yeah, 13 years, and that was uh, with Sam Cassell and Sprewell and Garnett, mm-hmm. that, that led team. I actually wouldn't remember going to see those guys in the playoffs when they played the Lakers that year. Yeah, I mean, oh. you think about it, it's just it was so long ago, and it's yeah. it's so hard, Jamal, like 8 out of 15 teams. Like, just do the math on that. Like, you have a better than 50% chance to make the playoffs on a yearly basis, yet somehow this franchise hasn't been to the playoffs in 13 years. Yeah, but it's, it's hard to win this league. You know, and if you have a young team, not knocking them. They may be in a lot of games, but just the experience of how to finish games in certain situations. If you look last year with the T-Wolves, they had more leads than just about anybody in the league, you know, but they, in the end, the experience probably won out and, and just that veteran, you know, leadership. And those guys will have that and the, the pieces they already have. So I think it's a really, really good blend. Did you talk to Zach Levine about Minnesota? Yes, I did. I talked to Zach. Uh, he was very fond of it. He loved Minnesota, loved playing for Coach Tibbs. He really made a jump from, you know, previous year to last year. Uh, he had nothing but, but good things to say about it. So that was encouraging to hear. Very encouraging. And, you know, for him, I mean, one of your close friends, I mean, Chicago, and, you know, I know Fred a little bit, Fred Hoiberg, you know, from his time with the Minnesota Timberwolves going way back. You know, Fred's a great guy. I think Zach will fit right into Fred's system very well once the knee is is 100%. He can be a feature guy eventually in Chicago. Maybe not right away with Dwayne Wade still there, but eventually Zach can be a feature guy. You always had to wonder with Cat, with Wiggins, if Zach could be that feature guy here in Minnesota. Right, and I, I think it's perfect for him. He'll get a chance to grow. Obviously, when they trade you and you're a centerpiece for a guy like Jimmy Butler, that shows how fond they are of you, and I told him that. You know, he had no hard feelings whatsoever. He understands the business, but when you get an all-star, most of the time all-star back, and you're the centerpiece of that trade that shows how much they value you as well. So, you know, I think it worked out on both ends. Did the Jimmy Butler trade, when you saw that, you know, whether on your phone, wherever, when you saw that, was that one of those where you said, okay, Minnesota's not effing around? Yeah, definitely. You know, when you see that, you're like, okay, you know, this is this is kind of the the, the, the changing of the guard. This is kind of the, the, the storm. The tide is changing. You know, obviously you had Tibbs who people love playing for. You had, like I said, the young pieces, the young forward and center, who were unbelievable. But then when you get Jimmy, you're like, okay. You know, and then you see Taj and Teague, you're like, oh, yeah, let's, they got it, they got it rolling now. You know, I think some people say we're a sneaky good t- 
team on paper, and obviously you still got to go out there and get the chemistry and everything worked out. But I don't see any reason why we can't be, you know, a, a playoff continuing team. How far back do your ties to Minnesota go? Like when when you were at Michigan, year. did you guys play the Gophers? Even did you play at Williams yeah. Arena? I did. We played at the Gophers, and actually, my draft was held in Minnesota. That's right. Okay, so the 2000 draft was at Target yeah. Center. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I spent time there that week leading up to it. So I have fond memories there for sure. My NBA career, I guess, unofficially started in Minnesota. And then I feel like whether it was David Kahn, maybe even multiple times. Heck, I remember talking to the late Flip Saunders multiple times. Flip was was a huge fan of, of your game. I feel like there were like two, three, four different times over the last handful of years where, where the Wolves tried to get you. Yeah, we were always kind of had ties. And me and you even talked about it, you know, and we joked about it, but there's all my name's always kind of floated around there a little bit, going all the way back to Flip and then Rick Adelman, you know, and, and David Kahn. So it's amazing how things work out. You know, Tibbs, we have a relationship going back to where I almost went to Chicago before I went to Portland mm. because of him. And yeah, yeah, so a lot of people don't know that as well. So that kind of went back as well. It just made sense on, on so many levels. What do you think of Tibbs as a coach? I mean, there was a reputation from his Chicago days that he likes to run hard practices. The word is he eased up a bit last year. I think the year off helped Tibbs in many ways. But but he can be a tough guy to play for. Are you ready for that? I'm definitely ready for it. You know, I think Coach Tibbs, more than anything, he's known for, for winning and, and being successful and taking a team and playing guys to their strengths. You know, obviously he's defensive-minded. He's going to coach you hard, but you want it hard. You don't want anything easy. You know, and I think when you do that, you get the, the most pushed out of you, you know. So for us, we are all, you know, have the same vision. We all see that, you know, and we're excited about it. You played with Jeff Teague in Atlanta. What do you recall yeah. of, of those days with Jeff? He was a uh, sponge. He was very open, you know, to coaching and to veteran players talking to him. He was a rookie when I first got him. And then his second year, he really made strides in the playoffs. I remember playing against uh, Chicago. You know, so to see his career, to see him make the All-Star game, to see all the success he's had, it'd be fun. You know, and like he said, he's at a point in his career where he just wants to win. He was, what, 21, 22 at the time, 29 now. You know, he's been through the league. He understands what it's about, and we all understand what it's about. We, we all feel good about what's going on. And I suppose, and you're right, I mean, you have close relationships with so many guys, but the fact that Cole Aldrich was a teammate of yours in Los Angeles, there's there's a bond there. No, oh, definitely. We, we kill people on the pick and roll. Cole was a true professional. He didn't get a chance to play much that first half of the season. And that's when I, I mentioned that we had the Pierce, myself, Austin, Lance, Josh uh, group working. It wasn't working. When Cole and Pablo came in there, our second unit really took off. And he was great at making reads off the pick and roll. Uh, he was great at, at catching the ball and finishing. He's sneaky athletic, so that was pretty, pretty good for him. Have you thought, Jamal, of, of all the teammates you've had over the years? Like, I was I was opening the podcast trying to think of guys top of my head that have more years of service time than you. Like, Vince Carter came to mind, Dirk Nowitzki. Right. I don't even know if, if there's anybody else. Maybe it's just those two. But you think about all the teammates you've had over the years, like Khalid el Joel <laughs> Prisbilla. Those are two Twin Cities guys. Fred right, Hoiberg, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Stephon Marbury, like Rick Brunson, Wolves assistant coach. Right? Rick Brunson, Wolves assistant coach, was a teammate of yours in Chicago, well, right? He was actually my first vet. He was a guy who really showed me the ropes and really showed me what it was about being a professional. You know, he spent a lot of time with him. Uh, he taught me a lot. You know, some by just saying it and some by letting me make mistakes and then correcting them for me. You know, so 
all those different guys. Rick was always telling me he was my first vet. And then Charles Oakley and guys like that came. But Rick was the guy that really took me under his wing and showed me what it was about being a professional. Yeah, Rick was, was in New York, not Chicago. I apologize for that. But yeah, in New York. But, I mean, you go up and down your career. Did you ever think, leaving Michigan as a freshman, that you would be playing this long? I didn't. I didn't think about that. But I also, if you would have said I would have had a, you know, a six- or seven-year career, I wouldn't have thought that either. You know, I just was going with the flow. I just figured I'd play a long time. I play, you know, every day of my life. Uh, I'm in love with the game. I love uh, everything that comes with the game, not off the court, but just on it. The challenge is you never really master it. You know, very few people have ever mastered basketball, Michael Jordan, Bird, Magic, guys like that. But it's just it's always a challenge. It's always fun, and I just feel rejuvenated coming there. Do you feel like you have another two, three, four years in you? Oh, yeah, easy. And I'm not saying that in a cocky way at all. I just know myself. I know my body. I know the preparation that goes into it. Uh, if if you didn't know my age and you just saw those mixes, you would think there was a guy, you know, in his 20s, early 20s, mid-20s, out of college or whatever. You know, so when I'm out there, I don't see age. I, I feel like age comes into play when it when it shows, when guys see, like, oh, he's not getting as much separation. Uh, he's not getting as much lift. He's not as quick. That's when age comes into play. But if you can just keep going stay pretty much at the same level, I think that's a wonderful thing. Where is your defense now at, at 37 years old? Well, the age, my, my, more so if you look at it, um, especially the way the league is now, right? You can't touch as much. You can't be as physical. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that when I first came in the league. So it's pretty hard for anybody just to lock somebody down one-on-one. You know, so it's more about angles and team defenses and schemes and things of that nature, being in the right spot. I'm not Kawhi Leonard by any stretch of the imagination or Jimmy Butler, <laughs> but when it comes down to it, uh, I can hold my own. And I think uh, usually when guys are really good offensive players and uh, they kind of get put in the box, like, yeah, he's a great offensive player, but he doesn't play deep. Very few people do we say, you know, they're like a lockdown defender. So I'm excited because Coach Tibbs is really good. Doc was really good um, as far as defense goes as well. So I'm excited. I mean, I would think, you know, Tibbs working under Doc in Boston, some of the philosophies have to be comparable, right? For sure. For sure. And I thought about that as well. You know, they spent a lot of time together. I'm sure they, they borrowed stuff from each other. And a lot of the schemes are the same. So, yeah, it shouldn't be too hard to transition. Will you organize some workouts, whether in the L.A. area or, who knows, maybe in the Seattle area? Will you call Wiggins, Towns, and say, hey, and Jeff, and, and Taj and oh, yeah, those guys and say, sure. hey, let's work out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll all kind of, you know, brainstorm a little bit, see what makes sense for everybody. Get together just to get that chemistry rolling and get things, you know, running because there's a lot of new pieces coming. So it'll be fun to get get with guys before the actual uh, season starts. I know some fans will be upset if I don't ask you, what jersey number will you wear here? <laughs> I thought about that. I'm going to stay with 11. Okay. Definitely going to stay with 11. Yeah, I was thinking about number one, but Tyus has that one. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to stay with 11. I bet if you offered up Tyus – something he yeah would... i probably can yeah. get it huh maybe we'll have that conversation but i'm pretty sure it'll be number 11 but we'll see i mean tyus is like the nicest guy in the planet too by the way like you might just oh, say yeah. hey can i have one and he might be like sure go ahead he can have it right yes but one or 11 but i think more so 11 i'll talk to tyus so we'll see where it goes when will you be in town well i have to come um in a few days within the next few days and then we'll go from there about coming in uh, a little bit throughout the summer just get used to the city and get a feel for it, get the kids in school and things of that nature. Okay, so the plan is even with, you know, I mean, it could just be a one-year contract. I mean, you plan on bringing the whole family here for the year? Yeah, it could be. It's, it's At this point, it's just too hard to separate from them. I think 
our sanity for all of us is, is more important. And if we have to move again, then we have to move again. But, you know, you take it one day at a time, and I feel good uh, about here and this year and the foreseeable future. So we'll see how it goes. And, you know, what? speaking of your family, I mean, was that part of it too? Like, you know, did you hear about all the excellent schools here in Minnesota that, that Minnesota is a great place to, to raise a family? Yeah, I definitely heard that and how, how cool it is to live there. I mean, obviously it's cold, but my kids have never seen snow before and played in it, you know, so I think that would be something fun for them. Um, you know, I think it's just a great place. Obviously this time of year is beautiful. I think there's still a lot to do, you know, in family-oriented things. I think the schools are great, so it just it feels good. So the kids were on board? I mean, when you said, hey, I think I'm going to Minnesota, they were like, yeah, let's do it? Well, at first, of course, obviously, like, oh, why are we leaving L.A.? You know, they don't understand the business part of it and how things go. Mm-hmm. Once they got over that, you know, they were excited about it, especially the, the Mall of America. They saw that, and they were really excited about <laughs> Legoland and, and everything else in there. And I suppose your year in Ann Arbor, I mean, you know, it's not like Ann Arbor is any different than the Twin Cities. So for you, not at all. it shouldn't no, be that much of an it. adjustment. No, not at all. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about wearing my Timberlands. Um, so I, I got, you know. I was wearing them in the, in the sun in L.A., and they're like, you're crazy, but I just they always felt good. Now I can stick my chest out wearing them. But I played in Chicago. It was cold there. You know, I played there for four years. Mm-hmm. New York was cold, so the cold doesn't bother me. If it did, I wouldn't be, you know, coming, obviously, but there's so much more to it than that. All right, all these players, and we'll let you go after this, all these players that you know, Jamal, and, you know, they only have the vet minimum to offer guys, but, hey, some guys will take the vet minimum to have a chance to win maybe even win at a very high level. Are you already on the phone with some free agents? Will you plan on being on the phone trying to recruit some guys? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I would want to talk to, you know, the other guys and talk to Tibbs, obviously, and see, you know, who we're going after and what, how they would fit. But I have no problem if they wanted me to reach out to anybody. You know, not, no problem at all. I don't have any ego with that. You know, I'm a fan of the game of basketball, and I'm all about winning. So anybody we can get that we think will help us, I'm, I'm all for it. All right, this might be a stretch, Jamal, but there are so many Wolves fans excited. I know a lot of them have Garnett 21 jerseys. So if they take a piece of tape, you put the tape over the two, you make the tape a one, then you tape up Garnett, then you write Crawford, you've got your 11 Crawford jersey. Oh, you do. Or you can just let 21 just, hey, that's like the wall of fame. You can keep that one and just add a number 11 and 21 of, of, uh, you know, everybody else and everybody else is coming. That works, too. That does work. Also, new jerseys are coming. I don't know if you knew that, but there's a new logo. They'll unveil new jerseys like in three or four weeks. So, actually, oh, the yeah. old Garnett jerseys don't work anyway. Yeah, you got to keep the 21 uh, kind of legendary and iconic and just get the new jerseys. So that'd be good. Might you try to work on that relationship? Like, Garnett's sure. jersey should be up in the rafters. There's still some butting of heads. The owner, KG, you were around KG. I mean, he helped consult with the Clippers last year. Might you try yeah, yeah. at some point, maybe not like – today or tomorrow but maybe yeah, sometime during the year I mean, try to patch up that relationship obviously i gotta get my feet in the ground there first and exactly. then go from there but i mean kg is just he's iconic he really is he's one of my 10 favorite players ever and he's the only actual like guy who's not a guard on the list i love him to death and everything he stands for so hopefully you know that stuff will work itself out we'll see what happens who are the other nine on the list oh you know i never revealed that oh so maybe the next podcast we'll, we'll get into that well, hopefully there is a next podcast. I hope the Wolves don't take this podcast in-house. If the Wolves were smart, you know, they don't want to run you into the ground. But if the Wolves were smart, and I know they are, they're going to utilize your media skills big time. I guarantee that. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate it.
All right, Jamal, best of luck. We will see you in town very soon. Safe travels, and I know a lot of Wolves fans are excited. I certainly, from a media standpoint, just being able to talk to you regularly now and, and having you a part of the Wolves, I'm certainly excited as well. I'm excited as well. Thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate it. Anytime. Hey, guys, this is Manny Hill. And I'm Derek James. We are the Raised by Wolves podcast. You can check us out, of course, at 1500ESPN.com. You can search us on iTunes. And you can check us out, of course, at Podcast One. We talk Timberwolves. We talk music. We'll talk food a little bit once in a while, but uh, mainly talk basketball and, and a little bit of music as well. So check us out. You can find us, of course, iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, the Raised by Wolves podcast. Great friend of the podcast, new Timberwolves guard, Jamal Crawford. I know in this business we're supposed to be as unbiased as possible. I pretty much am for the most part, but there are certain people you root for because you develop a personal relationship with them. One would be Paul Molitor. I root for Paul Molitor's well-being. He's somebody I've known for 16, 17 years. He used to do stuff with us coming to studio at the old radio station. Got to know him on a personal level. Heck, we went to a Sting concert one time many, many years ago together. So you root for people that you have a personal relationship with. I've gotten to know Jamal Crawford. Certainly we're not the best of friends, but I'm just saying somebody that you develop a connection with, a relationship with, you root for their well-being. So I root for him. I root for, you know, everybody with the Wolves that I'm friends with, the Jeff Munichies of the world, people that have been there for the longest time that are just starving for playoff basketball. I'm hoping Jamal Crawford can be part of something that's pretty special this upcoming year. All right, in no specific order, here are free agents the Wolves have inquired about that I can source out. Mike Dunleavy Jr., these are guys that are still available, although I made this list two days ago, so let me just go through it. And if there's a name that needs to be removed, we'll remove it on the fly. Okay, so Mike Dunleavy Jr., Gerald Green, Randy Foy, Ian Clark, Luke Bamute. Okay, here's one, Anthony Tolliver. Anthony Tolliver re-signed with the Pistons on Tuesday afternoon. Actually went back to Detroit. Sacramento was in Detroit previously, so he's back with the Pistons. There was constant dialogue with the Wolves. The Wolves are fans of Anthony Tolliver, but once they went the Jamal Crawford route, Tolliver wasn't taking the veteran minimum here. So he was eliminated the second they signed or at least agreed to terms with Jamal Crawford. So again, Anthony Tolliver, a piston. Ty Lawson, you have Aaron Brooks, you have C.J. Watson. Both those guys have a history with Tom Thibodeau. The Wolves do want a point guard. So either one of those guys certainly makes sense. Ty Lawson, Donald Sloan played last year in China. He's looking to get back into the NBA. The Wolves have shown a little bit of interest. John Jenkins, so I talked about on one of the previous Scoop podcasts, I don't know, 79, 80, 81, about the Wolves having a veteran free agent camp. It was like early to mid-June. Tyler Hansbro was here. There were a bunch of players here. You'll have to go back to that. I don't have all the names written down now. But anyway, John Jenkins was here. I'm told John Jenkins hit a good couple days here. He is a guy that could potentially fill the roster as they look for a shooter. You have Deadman, you have Udo, but the Wolves are not looking for a big man. They did check in on Rodney Stuckey. He doesn't appear to be a fit right now. They did also check in early on Reggie Bullock. He re-signed with Detroit. So I'm looking at my notes. Tolliver and Bullock are close together. So it was Bullock who re-signs with the Pistons. I put that on Twitter. Tolliver going back to the Pistons after his time in Sacramento. Your best bet for all the free agent intel, D. Wolfson KSTP on Twitter. D. Wolfson KSTP on Twitter. I oftentimes tweet just a ton of stuff. I am told, because I've been asked a lot on these names, I'm told as of 
This would be like late last week. Nothing on Aflalo, nothing on Barbosa, nothing on Ilya Sova, nothing on David Lee, nothing on Roman Sessions. On Isaiah Cannon, the Wolves have been called about Cannon. He's a guy that can handle the ball. History of shooting, although didn't shoot the ball well last year for Chicago. But when you're looking at roster fillers, a guy that can be a potential second or third point guard, Isaiah Cannon, maybe that sort of guy. The Wolves have been contacted by his camp. The Wolves did not make the initial phone call. Other free agent intel, Jeff Teague telling my colleague Joe Schmidt on Monday afternoon, the Sacramento Kings, the Indiana Pacers, and the Denver Nuggets also showed interest, but the Wolves were very, very aggressive right from the get-go. Other offers that the Wolves made that they were turned down on. Nick Young was offered a two-year deal by the Wolves. Two-year deal for the room exception. That was before they got Jamal Crawford for the room exception. Nick Young told them no. He is now a Golden State Warrior. Milos Teodosic. I don't know if I'm saying the last name right or not. Milos Teodosic, great player overseas. And he ended up with who? The L.A. Clippers. The Wolves made him a room exception offer. The money wasn't enough. The Wolves tried hard on Paul Millsap, but they could never get the money to work. It just wasn't possible, but they had all sorts of interest in Paul Millsap. They had all sorts of interest in J.J. Redick. When people ask me, like somebody stopped me at Hy-Vee the other day and said, hey, what do you think of the Wolves offseason? I said, hey, Jimmy Butler is here. That is a win. The Wolves won the offseason, but the moves thereafter, you can question some of their tactics. Like for me, I would have made J.J. Redick an offer. A source close to J.J. Redick tells me the Wolves did not make an offer. Redick was open to coming to Minnesota on a multi-year deal. So he takes one year, $23 million from Philadelphia. Redick was not taking a one-year deal in Minnesota. If he came to Minnesota, in fact, he wasn't taking a two-year deal. To come to Minnesota, it would have taken three or four years. So you can question whether that would have been smart or not. I would have made the offer. I would have had him say no. But they never made J.J. Redick an offer. On Taj Gibson, I'm told Taj Gibson had a few other offers, definitely had the Nets as an offer, he had the Oklahoma City Thunder as an offer. So the Thunder get Patrick Patterson three years, $16 million. Certainly the Thunder were not offering $14 million a year. But Taj Gibson had options. A lot of Wolves fans asking me, why sign Taj Gibson? You strike while you can. Taj Gibson had those other offers. The Wolves had some interest in him. Not a ton of initial interest those first 24 to 48 hours. But after that, after they discovered, okay, there's no way we can make Paul Millsap work. You know, some other things I think they were trying to do. They couldn't make those things work. They circled back on Taj Gibson and said, okay, he's got these other offers. Let's make this two-year $28 million offer. It's a flat offer, $14 million, $14 million. He said yes. On C.J. Miles, how about this? The Wolves had the deal done, at least the money. It would have been more than what he got in Toronto, by the way. It would have been more than three years, $25 million. It would have been a three-year deal player option or team option on that third year would have been similar length, but the money would have been a bit bigger here in Minnesota. All the Wolves had to do was give up the pick they got in the Ricky Rubio trade, plus Cole Aldrich. The Pacers were willing to do the sign-in trade. They would have done that deal before talks got far along with Toronto and Corey Joseph, but the Wolves would never say yes in the end. They tried to engage Brooklyn on a Cole Aldrich trade where they keep the pick. It never worked out. For those fans upset, I get it, C.J. Miles would have been a great fit. For those who are just wondering, curious why the Wolves wouldn't give up that pick, that Oklahoma City Thunder should be a good team. That pick might be, what, pick 27 next June or 28. 
it's not going to be a great pick if Paul George and Russell Westbrook stay healthy. Oklahoma City should be a good team. That's not going to be a good pick. Here's the Wolves' issue. When you start looking at the money of a Gorgie Jang, you look at the the money that's coming to Andrew Wiggins or his cap hold for next year, you start looking at all the money. There are some issues there. If you can have a rookie contract, and the hope is you find a player that can be a rotational guy eventually, if you can find a guy that can help you on a rookie contract, there's nothing more valuable when it comes to the salary cap. So the Wolves just said, okay, C.J. Miles would help us, but we feel like we can get somebody that will help us off the bench. They got Jamal Crawford, so they felt confident about that. They get their guy in Crawford, and they keep the pick. The pick will help them when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement, specifically the salary cap. When you look at 2018-2019, 2019-2020, and 2021, I guess 2020-2021, those years moving forward, once Towns's extension kicks in, the hope is Jimmy Butler is here for a number of years, Jeff Teague. You start looking at all that money, you need some rookie contracts, the Justin Pattons of the world, a 2018 first-round pick. So that's why the Wolves ultimately would not do it. They would not give up the first-round pick. Now, hey, if the Wolves have a chance you know, to play really good basketball, okay, November, December, January, let's say it's February 15th, they have a chance maybe to be a two or a three seed in the West. There is a guy sitting there that they can acquire. Maybe then they entertain the idea of giving up the pick, but I don't see them giving up the pick anytime real soon. I don't think they give up the pick this summer to get a guy like Jonathan Simmons or somebody of that ilk. I think C.J. Miles was their guy. They had the money worked out. In the end, they decided not to give up the first-round pick. C.J. Miles ends up with Toronto. All right, on Taj Gibson. Had a chance to talk with Taj Gibson on Monday afternoon. Here's my conversation with Taj. Taj, you certainly had a number of suitors. In fact, I was told Brooklyn offered you. You had a couple other offers, so you had a choice to make. Why was Minnesota so appealing? Young team, great coach, great organization, uh, great fans. Um, I just see something special here. I mean, how special do you think it can be? I mean, they are remaking the roster on the fly. I think it can be really special. Um, sky's the limit, especially when I look at the, how they played last year. I felt the, the, the wins should have been a lot more. Uh, I think the team uh, just gave away a lot of games late. But this, they're young. They're a young team. I think the uh, groundwork is there. I think it's, it's time for another level of just toughness and, and making guys a lot better. I mean, did you notice the talent? If I recall, it was a Sunday afternoon game. You were still in Chicago, not in OKC last year. The Wolves just put a beat down on you guys in Chicago. Yeah. Well, it was here, but you guys being Chicago. I mean, is that when you really took notice and said, okay, there's some talent there? Yeah. I noticed that um, for some time now because I will always be in communication with the coaching staff. Uh, those coaching staff is like family, so we would just constantly talk about uh, different players and how much similarities we had uh, from from past teams. Um, but this team has a lot of a lot to offer, and a lot of young guys that I see has a lot of potential. Tips touched on it briefly in the in the news conference about your defensive versatility that you can guard ones, you can guard fives. I mean, expound on that. I mean, even guarding point guards, I guess, pick and roll, and you feel comfortable, you know, jumping out, guarding a point guard? Yeah. They let me do that for a number of years. Yeah, OKC let me do that. Um, my job was to challenge shots. One thing about when, you, when you, you've when you been around for a while, uh, you know the tendencies, you know these have to challenge shots and use your length. And as long as you go out there and play hard, your coach can live with it. That's how the that's kind of coaching style tips have. As long as you go out there and play hard, uh, we can live with it. Are you comfortable whether starting off the bench? I mean, if Gorgie Jang is the starting four, are you okay with that? I'm 
It doesn't really matter to me because at the end of the day, uh, I'm capable of playing well in any whatever minutes I'm capable of getting. Uh, I've been in different roles, six-man roles, starting role. That's how, that's what makes me uh, so uh, able to just jump, join any team because I can fit any role, any kind of style of play. And plus, at the end of the day, it's all about getting wins. And uh, when everybody wins, the whole team gets a big piece of the pie. Well, 304 was the last season that this franchise went to the playoffs. How aware are you of that, and how much are you looking forward to, to returning playoff basketball to the Twin Cities? I was a big Sam Cassell fan when he was here. Uh, Latrell Spearwell, I watched this team for a long time, especially in college with the ties Coach Tim Floyd had. And uh, I just, it's just funny how things, the world kind of revolves. I never thought I would be here. But I'm here, and I'm happy I'm here. And, um, the sky's the limit. Uh, looking at the, the practice facility, I can't wait to touch it. The Western Conference is a serious meat grinder. I mean, your old team, OKC, adds Paul George, adds Patrick Patterson. I mean, when you look at all the moves of the last week plus, yeah. is it just eye-opening what's, what's taking place in the Western Conference? It's not really not eye-opening for me because it was already a culture shock for me being traded to uh, Oklahoma getting adjusted to the New Jerseys, the style of play, the pace. But I loved every minute of it, the style of play, the pace. Uh, you, every night is no days off, but that kind of makes you better. It kind of keeps you sharp because in the East, you never know it's a grind out kind of uh, system. You don't know uh, really what team is going to bring it each night. So I think being on the West is a lot better and it's going to make it's going to be a great challenge. Are you, a, are you a people person? I mean, looks like you're pretty aggressive on, on social media. Like, I remember when you were traded to OKC and all those fans met you at the airport. It seemed like you had, I saw the video, big smile on your face, window down, waving to all the fans. Are you a people person? You embrace the fans? Yeah, I'm a people person. Uh, I was a carpenter and a mover growing up, so I had to be a real hands-on kind of guy. And uh, I was kind of like similar to Tibbs early in my career, real taken back, real shy. But it was over the years, the people in the, in the streets, people throughout the way where I went, they made me a better person as far as just being they open and being able to talk to people. Can you just reiterate, we'll let you go after this, what you talked to us about downstairs, that what took place in New York last week, that, yeah. that you're very disappointed in yourself? Yeah, I was, I'm, I was highly disappointed because that's not the kind of guy I am. I do everything the right way. Uh, I pride myself on uh, just being there and teaching the youth the right the right ways to do things. And uh, when that happened, I, I thought I did everything the right way, and I was shocked that I had to take it on my license that I didn't know about. And uh, it's one of those things you got to put behind you and learn from it. My, my license is, isn't suspended anymore. And, um, I'm just, I just learned from it and uh, just got to just continue to thank the, the organization and uh, the people around me and uh, just, kind of, just move forward from it. Um, I left it alone, I left it behind me, but uh, it's, it's learned from it. All right, we'll get to Jalen Suggs in just a second. Actually, we'll start with Troy Stein, who coached Brad Hand, National League All-Star for the San Diego Padres, coached him at Chaska High School in 2008. But a couple brief twins notes, the Nationals and Rangers had trade scouts at Target Field for their homestand, their last homestand last week. Presumably the Nationals, who are looking for bullpen help, were keeping an eye on Brandon Kinsler. But you never really know. I can just tell you that the Nationals and Rangers had trade scouts. And you're also looking at the other team, but I can tell you the Nationals and Rangers had trade scouts at Target Field. On Bartolo Colon, 
So he starts Thursday for AAA. It looks like he'll start July 18th against the Yankees at Target Field. I mean, when they were negotiating with his agent, Adam Katz, and the Mets were going back and forth with Adam Katz, one big selling point from the twin side was, hey, he'll be here very, very soon. So I'm just telling you, before July's over, for sure Bartolo Colon is here. But don't be surprised one bit if Bartolo Colon starts on July 18th against the Yankees at Target Field. On Dylan G, he has an opt-out on July 15th. Don't be surprised if he pushes that opt-out back five days, maybe to July 20th. He will start a game like July, what is today, July 11th. I think he's starting like the 15th or 16th. I think he's starting the 16th. So why opt-out before that start? Make the one more start for Rochester. The hope still is from the G camp that he can be the long reliever here in Minnesota. So we'll see where that goes, but I think signs point to at least what I can gather that he will make at least one more start for AAA Rochester, push the opt-out date back past Saturday, then make a decision thereafter. No extension talks whatsoever on the Brandon Kinsler front, so it'll be interesting to see what the Twins do at the trade deadline with him. On Irvin Santana, his camp this week expected to approach the Twins about an extension. He is signed through next year. Then it's a vesting option for 2019. I know the Santana camp has interest in an extension. I don't sense the Twins are reciprocating that interest. I would be surprised if the Twins extended Irvin Santana. And on the high school pitcher, Jack Conlin, that didn't sign with the Orioles' fourth-round pick. He is now an unrestricted free agent. Like, you can exceed the the cap that you had, your draft pool. The draft pool money doesn't apply to signing this pitcher, this high school pitcher that's a Texas A&M commit anyway. I am told about 25 teams have touched base with Conlin's camp. The Twins are not one of those 25 teams. So I would be surprised at this point if the Twins go the Jack Conlin route. Filled in for Mackie and Judd, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on 1500 ESPN on the 5th of July, Wednesday the 5th of July. The full show podcast is available on 1500ESPN.com. Talked a ton of Wolves, but I also had on Brad Hand, co-hosted with Matthew Collar. I've known Brad for some time, so I shot him a text. I said, hey, Brad, can you join the radio show? Talk about being an all-star. So he did. So if you want to hear from Brad Hand on his journey to being an all-star, find the show podcast from July 5th. But I also, for TV's sake, caught up with one of his high school coaches from Chaska High School, Troy Stein. He's now in the Edina School District. But Troy helped coach Brad Hand, was the initial pitching coach. He certainly helped mentor and tutor Brad Hand at Chaska High School in 2008. So anyway, I caught up with Troy Stein. Let me see if I can find that interview. Where the heck is it? Jeez, Louise, we put a lot of stuff online. Holy cow. As soon as I can find it, I will play it for you. And he can offer even more insight, deeper insight on Brad Hand being an all-star. Here it is. Here is my conversation with Troy Stein about Brad Hand. Troy, just put into words how special it is that you can say that you helped develop, cultivate, coach a major league all-star. Well, I don't know if I had very much involved with it because uh, Brad Hand was special from the get-go. I think you got to give a lot of credit to his father, Lon. Uh, the family is originally from Iowa, and they, they moved to Chaska in his middle school years. And 
and uh, certainly have uh, baseball in their family background. And you could see Brad was very special with his arm delivery early on. I know from my perspective, I got to see Brad for the first time when I was coaching in Edina, and um, he was a ninth grader p pitching varsity against us. I was like, wow, that kid's, uh, that kid's got something special. And then the following year, I actually uh, moved to Chaska and started coaching and teaching in Chaska, and that's when I had the opportunity to work with him a little bit more closely. The thing about Brad that's so special is um, not only is he a remarkable competitor, but um, he's got a great skill set, but the game never phased him. When he failed, it didn't bother him, and uh, he would just come out the next day, and it didn't. It didn't. Uh, he'd let it go, and that's probably the hardest thing in baseball is to let some of those things go. Um, you know, one game uh, we were playing New Prague in a section game it was a close game, closer than it probably should have been, and uh, Brad had struck out his first three at, at bats, and he was a great hitter in high school too. And uh, his fourth at bat, he hits a grand slam home run for us to break the game open, and it's just a good example. It didn't phase him at all. I mean. Could you even argue that, you know, even going back to them and never being phased and, and being so strong mentally, like he's a starter for the longest time, right? Through the Marlins system, makes it to the majors with the Marlins as a starter. Then he goes to being a reliever. For a lot of guys, they wouldn't embrace that. They'd be like, no, I'm a starter. Yeah. But it seems like he's embraced that role. I mean, I wonder if you can even trace back that, that mental strength, even going back to Chaska. Yeah, well, and again, it alludes to that, that aspect. Brad enjoys playing the game. He has great fun playing the game. Um, he doesn't get too stressed out playing the game because I think he, in in the heart of hearts, he views it as a game. And so his passion is around playing. And I think for him, it's it's you tell me what I can do to help us win, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. So it's it's it, we're so proud of him. I know the community of Chaska is super excited. What uh, what a great honor to have uh, a local grad and and make it so far. And uh, you know we talked. I remember in high school um, talking with coaches that. Brad's special because of his ability to let things go. Um, uh, we never envisioned it going this far, and we're, we're so glad and, and happy for him and excited to see him progress. How close did he come to, to going to Arizona State? I mean, he went high in the draft. Normally you go that high. The money's so good. How do you turn down the money? But did he come close to going to college? You know, and I'm wondering, I guess, well, you know, piggybacking on that, if he had went to college, I wonder if if we're still here today at you know 27 years old that he's a major league all-star right well and it, it was an interesting spring his senior year uh, there were so many scouts around and and certainly as a family um, they value education so we knew Arizona State was a strong uh, consideration for them uh, but I think at the end I think his uh, development and, and potential with major league baseball uh, was too lucrative uh, for him to pass up can you expound on that you knew the first time you saw him or soon thereafter that, okay, that delivery, that arm angle, everything about him was, was incredibly special? Yeah, so again, I was, um, I was an assistant baseball coach in Edina, and uh, it was a section, uh, section game towards the end of the year, and all of a sudden they bring in this left-hander, and you could tell he was lean and young, and uh, he came in and, and just had great composure, had great command of a breaking ball uh, at that age was something, and then had really good velocity as well with a, a, a superb arm angle. And I remember uh, talking with uh, Coach Dale Welter and Eric Welter, his son, and, you know, who, who's that kid? And, and uh, tell me a little bit more about him because he, he looks really good. And, yeah, he's a ninth grader, and, and by the end of the year, he was hitting for them as a ninth grader and, and, and doing some great stuff on the mound. So it was fun to watch. And, and then the following year, I had the opportunity to go to Chaska and, and coach baseball with the Welters, and, and that's when I really got to work with Brad for the first time.
How much fun was it? I mean, were you working closely with him? Were you well, kind of the pitching guy? You know, so my first year I was uh, the pitching guy and, and took control of that. And then I quickly realized that Brad was beyond my capabilities and I needed to get a better pitching guy. So that's when I brought in Craig Bauman, uh, who was uh, uh, certainly uh, pitched at a high level as well. And he started working with Brad a, a little bit more, but uh, certainly a, a special young man. And we're really proud of him. Are you one that has, you know, whether it's on your, you know, iPad or, or the satellite dish, do you have the baseball package? Do you try to watch some Padres games? I don't. I don't. I, I certainly wish I had more time for, for to follow Brad more closely and watch some of his games. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's so fun to uh, follow through uh, social media and, and certainly uh, some of the outlets in, in terms of how he's doing. So. I mean, is that one of those things, though, that, okay, you go to the box score like, okay, Tuesday night against the Indians, he pitches the eighth. He strikes out Lindor, strikes out Brantley, strikes out Encarnacion. Are you taking notice of all those accomplishments? You know, I, I wish I had time to, to follow him more closely like that. But when he does great things like he did last night uh, against Cleveland and, and uh, you know, the Padres win one nothing, he strikes out the side, uh, we certainly hear about it because, uh, you know, people are connected and, and there's texts that go around. And certainly Dale Welter keeps us in the loop uh, with what's going on. What does it say about Minnesota high school baseball when you've got a Pat Neshek, a Brad Hand as all-stars, you know, Joe Maurer's accomplishments, Glenn Perkins' accomplishments, more recently a Logan Shore leading Florida to the College World Series, you know, a Sam Carlson going really high in the draft. It speaks very highly of Minnesota high school baseball. Well, we'd like to believe that uh, we're as competitive uh, throughout the country. I think the one area that we probably lack a little bit is just arm strength. And, and so that's where uh, we just don't get to throw as much as some of the other southern states. Uh, but uh, we feel very confident in our ability to hit. Uh, we do a lot of hitting year-round. So I think Minnesota kids hit the ball really well. Uh, but Brad bro broke that mold, and he just had superior strength. And, and part of it is, to his credit, is he found time to throw year-round. And, and he excelled in that. And, and um, you know, he had a passion for it and so it never was work for him it was just something fun to do I mean, is there something that can be said too about okay some of the northern pitchers not as much wear and tear that okay you're doing the perfect game events you know there's some competitiveness october november but compared to maybe the california kids the florida kids the georgia kids that you're not throwing as much is there something to be said about less wear and tear there certainly is some of that, uh, uh, but on the but on the same hand, uh, you know you got to develop arm strength, and and I think the the best way to do that is, is you have to throw. Certainly, you got to give yourself time off, you got to give yourself rest, um, and uh, you got to watch that and manage that. But uh, having great weather year-round uh, certainly helps to develop that because you have the opportunity to go out and throw as as much as you can. You know the Chaska community well enough. I mean. They have to be loving this, right? I mean, going back to the Spencer Tollicks and go for basketball days. I mean, when one of their own succeeds, you know, even going back to, you know, Travis, who now plays for, for yeah. the Chiefs, Ross yeah. Travis. I mean, Absolutely. you name a Chaska athlete, it seems like that community really embraces those guys. Yeah, you know, the, the great uh, great youth athletic programs, and uh, they do a great job of building and, and providing a foundation. And, and certainly in those situations, they had great parent support uh, as well and knowledgeable dads that helped develop and push them along. Uh, but the community is proud of them, and, and uh, you certainly sense that. And, and what an accomplishment for them and, and uh, in the area. And, you know, Chaska is now, uh, to my knowledge, in, in my lifetime, has two major leaguers, uh, Brad Golden, uh, the other one. Um, and and uh, for Brad Hand to add his name to that is, is a tribute to him and the community. Troy, are you one that would normally watch the All-Star game? If not, 
I mean, it's got to be appointment viewing, whether it's live or on the DVR. You have to be watching next Tuesday. Absolutely. No, looking forward to it. Um, you know, typically I will catch a couple innings, but now I'm going to certainly dial in a little bit closer and try and find out when, uh, when Brad's going to get his opportunity to throw. And that's the key, right? I mean, you need Joe Madden to say, okay, Brad, <laughs> we need you here. Not every pitcher will get in. Hopefully he gets in. I would assume he will, right? We're gonna we're gonna pull uh, pull out the strings here and and uh, really root for him, and I don't doubt that he's gonna get an opportunity. Troy Stein, one of Brad Hand's high school coaches at Chaska High School, going back to 2008. The Twins wanted to draft him that year. He went like seven or eight picks before the Twins had a pick, like in the 60 range. Then last year, it was sorry about that. Forgot to pot down one of. The button's on my board here. But anyway, last year, last April, the Padres had waiver priority over the Twins. So the Twins put a waiver claim in on Brad Hand, but the Padres had priority. He landed in San Diego ever since landing in San Diego. He's among the best relievers when it comes to strikeouts and appearances. His all-star berth is, he earned it. I mean, put it that way. I mean, I get it. You have to take a player from every team. But you look at Brad Hand's numbers, he is an all-star. It's not like the Padres got a favor on this one. All right, we'll get to Jalen Suggs in a second. I think we'll do more recruiting. I had some recruiting nuggets, but nothing that's breaking news. I think we'll get to recruiting stuff, some more gopher stuff next week, although I'm going on vacation. I'm going out to see some Red Sox games, going out to do some stuff in Boston with the older son. So I don't know when Scoop Podcast episode 84 will come your way. I'm actually sitting down with Bruce Boudreaux for a TV story on Wednesday afternoon, so I think I'll play that conversation for my next podcast. So maybe I try to do it before this week is over, especially if I have enough stuff. Otherwise I'll do it like July 20th or 21st, but I don't want this podcast to go 65 or 70 minutes. So we'll get to Jalen Suggs. Then we'll wrap it up. But first vinepark.com vinepark brewery. They help bring you this podcast downtown St. Paul, right off of West seventh street on Twitter at vine underscore park underscore brew. The twin cities we know has become a craft beer haven. But why don't you see how brewing chops stack up? By swinging into Vine Park Brewing. See how they stack up against everybody else. The only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer. And here is the kicker. Make your own wine. Vinepark.com. The phone number 651-228-1355. 651-228-1355. Again, I may do episode 84 before I do 85 at Vine Park on Friday afternoon, the 21st of July. So if you're in downtown St. Paul, if you don't have plans, maybe come in, have a beer, whatever it is, get off work early. The plan right now is to do a Scoop podcast. Might be 84, episode 84, might be episode 85. But anyway, we will do a Scoop podcast at Vine Park Brewery on the 21st of July, Friday, the 21st of July, somewhere in the 1130 to noon range. Somewhere right there. Andy Carlson is the boss in that, so I'll defer to him. But that is that is the plan. But anyway, show Vine Park some love. They keep this podcast going. All right, let's do this. Jalen Suggs just back, actually a couple weeks ago, from Argentina, helped USA's under-16 team win gold in Argentina. He's got football season coming up. He's the starting quarterback in Minnehaha Academy. He's playing in an AAU event, a couple of AAU events here in the month of July. Almost every college in the country wants him. 
He's hearing regularly from Duke, Kentucky. He's got offers like the Gophers. Like the Gophers only have one offer out to a 2020 player in the country. It's Jalen Suggs. He's not even a sophomore in high school yet, yet he's got all these college basketball offers. He is one of the best guards, if not the best guard in the country in the class of 2020. I caught up with him recently. We talked about winning gold in Argentina. We talked about football. We talked about basketball recruiting. Here's my conversation with Jalen Suggs. Jalen, even seeing you now in your warm-up shirt, USA Basketball, is there anything better? All your accomplishments, I mean, football too, I mean, all your sporting accomplishments, does anything top? Is there anything better than having USA across the front of your chest? Uh, no, I really don't believe so. Um, you know, being able to go out with a group of guys, uh, all chasing the same goal, which is to win a gold medal. Um, we had a great time down there. I met some great new people. Uh, the coaches were great. Uh, it was a really awesome experience. I mean, you got sick at one point, right down there. I mean, was there some? Were you questioning whether, okay, am I going to be healthy enough to play in that gold medal game? Was there was there some uneasiness down there? Uh, at the beginning, I was a little nervous, um, but I talked to the coaches, talked to the training staff. Uh, they said I should be fine, so just went out, supported my teammates while I couldn't play, and then I got back on the court. Anything about Argentina surprise you? Um, the dogs. They have dogs running around all in the city. Uh, they're all in the arena, just running around, people taking care of them, so that was really interesting to me. Were you one of the younger players on the team? Uh, I was in about the middle of the pack. Uh, there's a couple of people a bit older than me, a couple people younger, and of course Zion Harmon, who was uh, 14 and 8th grader, uh, so yeah. So we're talking what, like classes of 2019, 2020, 2021, and even 2022 or not 2022? No, not 2022. Uh, there's one 2021, uh, multiple 2022s, or 2020s, my bad, and then uh, a couple 2019s. I mean, is it nice to be able to compare your game to the best players in your age group and see where you stack up? Uh, yeah, it is, um, but it was also a fun time playing against them. Uh, competition was great out there. I think that was one of the best parts of uh, being able to play with and against some of the best competition uh, throughout the world in my age group. What was the ceremony like when, when the official puts on that gold medal around your neck? It was unreal. Um, it was a real great feeling uh, knowing all the hard work we put in. Uh, we had training camp. Uh, you know, We've been working for 20 days uh, just to get to that moment, and it felt really good. Is it nice to be able to catch your breath at least a little bit right now? Yeah, it is. Uh, that was a lot of hard work down there in Colorado and then travel days going to Argentina and playing. So being back home, spending time with my friends, uh, being with family, uh, yeah, it's a great break. How do you deal with all of that? I mean, there's a lot of kids your age, you know, heck, excited to get their driver's license and just hang out with their friends. And you're doing all this stuff. How do you manage to handle all of it? Um, just being humble, uh, staying 10 toes down. Uh, you know, always having fun with my friends, uh, being a respectful kid, uh, hanging out with my family. Uh, this is, I really just count it as one of my blessings. Um, and I thank God for the opportunity and the gifts that he's been able to grace me with. As you're playing Canada, the other countries, anything stand out about the competition down there? Um, really just how hard they played. Uh, they played really hard. Um, they never gave up no matter what the score was. Uh, and I really respected that. Did you play multiple positions? Were you on the ball, off the ball down there? Uh, yeah, I played uh, point guard a little bit, shooting guard, some small forward. Uh, I just fit in wherever the coaches needed me to play. I mean, how much pride do you take in having that position flexibility that you can play three and heck? I'm sure, I mean, certain matchups, you might even be able to guard some power forwards, that you have that position flexibility. Uh, yeah, I take a lot of pride, um, you know, really just being able to do whatever the coach needs me to. Uh, you need me to guard a big, I guard a big, uh, guard a guard, play off ball or bring the ball up. Um, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. and. Uh, yeah, it's one of my great strengths. Deep down, though, Jalen, do you view yourself as, as a point guard? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, 
I view him as a point guard wing, kind of a combo guard. Um, like I said, being of position flexibility, uh, whatever we need at the time, I feel like I can get it done. How big of a summer is this in the gym? What are you working on right now? Oh, this is a real big summer. Um, my first summer as a high school athlete, um, transitioning into my sophomore year, uh, it's real big for me. Our coach has been contacting uh, my high school coach, Lance, and then uh, AU coach, my dad. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun just enjoying the recruiting process and then uh, just in the gym working on my shot. Because as long as my shot is falling, um, that can build into other things. You know, I get the pump fake, get him to jump, get to the basket, and then uh, my defense will always be there. How much have you grown in the last year? I mean, it seems like every time we catch up with you, you've grown another inch or two. Uh, yeah, I think I've grown about two inches. Uh, I think I was about 6'1", 6'2", at the beginning of the high school season, and then uh, I'm 6'3", now. Are the growth plates still open? Yeah, they are. Uh, my feet are done growing, but I got some more inches to add on. I mean, what's the doctor say? I mean, are we looking at 6'4", 6'5", something like that? Yeah, 6'5", 6'5", um, maybe 6'6", six, six if I'm lucky. Jeez. How about specifically, okay, so you're working on your shot. Are you working on strength? What are some other keys this summer? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, trying to get my muscle up, been in the weight room. Uh, I've been doing just body weight pull-ups, push-ups, uh, just trying to get stronger because, you know, as you move up to 17U, a lot of the guys are bigger, uh, playing a lot of juniors and seniors, so got to have the muscle. Where do things stand on the, on the recruiting front right now? Um, I've had a lot of new coaches come call about me. Uh, the newest ones have been Kentucky, uh, North Carolina, Duke, Arizona, those have been the big ones. And then, of course, just the offers that I have from Baylor, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, Iowa State, Marquette, uh, and just goes down the line. I mean, is it hard to keep track of, of all the offers, all the attention that you're getting? Yeah, it is a little bit. I know people ask me all the time what offers you have, uh, who's looking at you. And uh, sometimes I forget a couple of schools. Um, but it's been a lot, a lot of fun meeting, uh, meeting the new coaches, uh, building new relationships. I'm really enjoying the process. Any plans on taking any visits? I mean, when do you think things will start to ramp up? Um, I'm going to plan on taking a couple of unofficial visits during the football season. Uh, I'll go catch a couple of football games. And, of course, uh, for the schools that are recruiting me for football and basketball, you know, I could meet up with the football coaches, talk to the basketball coaches. So I think that's when I'll take most of my visits. Well, I mean, no better segue. I was going to bring up football. I mean, you're this great football player, right? Like, Iowa State has offered you as a quarterback, right? Like, how do you decide basketball, football? Um, that is real tough. Uh, I haven't made any decisions yet. Uh, I'm just planning on playing both to the best of my abilities. Uh, like I said, multiple times, having fun with it, and uh, whatever happens in the end happens. So you will play your sophomore year of football and just take it year by year, or do you have in your mind, okay, I'm playing quarterback junior year and senior year no matter what? Uh, I'd like to play all four, all four, football for all four of my years. Um, you know, it's a sport that I love to play, that I've grown up playing my whole life. So I don't know. I think giving, up, giving football up is real tough for me. I mean, can you see a scenario, as good a basketball player as you are, like top five in the country, class of 2020, can you see a scenario where, where you actually play football at the next level, not basketball? Um, I don't know. That's tough. Um, just whichever one, uh, after I talk to my dad about it, talk to the coaches, uh, whichever is the best for me in the long run, uh, that's what I'll go with. I mean, again, how do, you, how do you strike that balance of I need to spend time with my wide receivers, I need to be in the weight room, spend time around my football coaches with I need to be in the gym developing my basketball game? Um, during the football season, you know, I'm completely football. I'll get in the gym a couple times, uh, go outside my driveway and get up shots, uh, but mainly just focus on football. Um, and then a lot of film. I study a lot of film, football and basketball. Uh, so, you know, my IQ is real well, so I can come in fresh out of basketball, you know, get the plays, remember them, 
Um, and then just remember the timing with my raw receivers. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough balance, but uh, it all works out. Are the coaches, basketball, the football staff, or are they in sync with, with balancing everything for you? Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, coach Quinn, uh, Coach Colin Quinn, the head coach, and Coach Lance Johnson, uh, you know, they talk a lot about it. Um, I think they've got it to where during the basketball season, that's what I'm focused on. Football season, that's what uh, I'm focused on as well. And then just helping each other out. Like I said, football season, we're in the weight room all the time. And then basketball season, you know, you know we lift weights a couple of times too. So it all, it all helps out. Do you mirror your game against some of the other great players in the state when talking about a Matthew Hurt or a Trey Jones? And go up and down the list. I mean, the, the high school talent right now in Minnesota is as good as it gets, even going back to 2014. Do you compare your game to, to others? Um, yeah, like you said, the talent right now is real great. Um, you know, we got a lot of great players in, uh, in the classes coming up from, I think, senior all the way down to the freshman class. Um, and then even middle school is coming up. Uh, but I don't think I try to mirror my game after anyone too much. Uh, like I said, just watch a lot of film, try to pick up moves here and there. Uh, and then, yeah, just have fun with the game, play, compete. Are you surprised I haven't asked you about the Gophers yet? <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. I mean, football-wise, P.J. Fleck, have, have they shown any interest on the football side? Um, I think they've talked to Coach Quinn once or twice, um, but I haven't heard from them too much. Uh, but I hear from the basketball coaches, Ben Johnson, um, a couple of times. I mean, Ben would be the guy. I mean, he recruits the area. I mean, is it hard not to notice the success they had last year? Uh, yeah, no, they had a great season last year, and I believe they'll have a real great season this year. Um, you know, they got a lot of people coming back. Uh, they've added P uh, Isaiah Washington, um, and there's some great new recruits. So I think they'll have a great season this year. Maybe after this, do you look at the national rankings? Are you on those websites looking, okay, I'm the number one ranked point guard or whatever it is, class of 2020? Um, I look every once in a while, you know, just check in, see what they are. Uh, but I don't really pay attention to it too much. You know, I believe that. No matter what your ranking is, uh, you got to come on the court and play. Uh, you could be ranked number one, and uh, you're going to have to come on the court and compete every time because everyone's coming after you. So really just competing every time I step out on the court. When I was entering my sophomore year in high school, I was still finger painting. Jalen Suggs, he has a lot of gifts. Among those gifts is the gift of gab. He certainly is very confident in front of the camera. He is a very confident young man. He should be. His basketball skills are phenomenal. Jalen Suggs, 2020 mini haha point guard and starting quarterback that does it for scoop podcast episode number 83 always appreciate you listening again we'll be back at some point bruce boudreau will be on one of the upcoming podcasts we'll do one from vine park brewery certainly enough stuff going on with the wolves we have the non-waiver baseball trade deadline coming up at the end of the month so there is always something going on Plus, the Vikings will be in Mankato, snap of the fingers. Once the Vikings get to Mankato, we'll do a lot on the Vikings. Thank you, everybody.